a little backstory before we dive in and pray. Um, so I was asked to speak at a, a ladies' retreat next month. The theme was Psalm 1. And as I was studying, I was like, you know, I don't know these people. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know any of them. But I know you. And so your faces came to mind. Your faces came to heart. And I thought, I don't, I don't feel right studying and doing all this work for, for girls, you know, I don't even know. And also not sharing it with you. You know, because I, I love you girls. I, um, I have such a heart for you and I want all of this, all of Psalm 1, I want you guys to, um, to dive into. Oh, thanks. So let's pray and let's dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for chapters that are so rich in your word, Lord, that we can come back to it over and over and over and still glean so much. Lord, I pray for your spirit now. Lord, I pray, God, uh, even as I think of that lyric that we sang, that the sinner seeks devotion, Lord. That is all we are. We are just sinners seeking devotion with you, Jesus. And so I pray that you would be with us now. Fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Help me, Lord, um, to rightly divide your word. I pray that it would be you speaking and not me, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take over even now. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. And as I was actually thinking about that lyric, the sinner seeks devotion, I was, you know, like, that's just what Psalm 1 is so about. The Lord just reminded me, no, but the Savior also seeks devotion. What's amazing is not only does the sinner, do we seek devotion with God, but that he would seek devotion with us. So the book of Psalms, if you're not familiar with the book of Psalms, girls, you need to be. This needs to be something, a place in the word that you camp regularly. I have an encouragement, exhortation for you. There's 103 days left in this year. For all of those 103 days, just read one psalm. You won't get through the whole book, but you'll get pretty far. And um, it is just such a rich book of the Bible. It's, it's the songbook. It's the psalms. Every, every gamut of emotion is expressed here in the psalms. I like how John Corson put it. He said, for every sigh there is a psalm, and that is so true. In every season that we're in, whether you're victorious, whether you're, you know, hiding, whether you're stressed, there is a, for every sigh, there is a psalm. And this psalm is no different. Psalm 1 paints a vivid picture for us of what it looks like to be a woman who is blessed by the Lord and what it looks like to be an unblessed woman. As I was thinking about just the, the picture that Psalm 1 paints, I couldn't help thinking of my children because... I'm obsessed with them and I love them and they're hilarious. I have two little ones right now that are artists and they are constantly leaving papers all over my house with all of their artwork and it's easy for me to tell who did what because right when I grab one and it's a beautiful girl with a purple dress and a crown and it says princess of Jesus and she's holding her best friend's hand that's obviously Ella and then when I just see like torrential monsters, black and brown, it's obviously Luke, right? And I just think, you know, I'll, I'll grab, I'll go to a table and I'll look and there's flowers and rainbows and Ella, she, oh, she's always wearing a crown. She makes sure she's always wearing a crown. And then there's Luke and he's, you know, just at it, just going. And that's kind of what happens in here in Psalm 1. We've got this contrast. We've got this great uh, picture put before us of the blessed woman 
and the unblessed woman. So we live in a culture obsessed with happiness, obsessed with finding your own happiness, obsessed with making your own happiness. If you haven't found it, you make it, you do what makes you happy, regardless of even how it affects others around you. There's even this, this trend of if that person is bad for you, just remove them. And I think, well, what if it's my husband? I can't really remove him from my life, right? Or if that person is causing you to stress out about things, get him out. They, you don't need that kind of stress. You make your own way. You do what makes you happy. But this is not scriptural. So my question to you, and there's a lot of questions in this teaching, is will you be a woman that will forge her own way and define her own happiness? Or will you open your heart and mind now and see how the Lord defines happiness and blessedness and the other big question in this teaching is will you allow him to bless you the lord lays out very clearly who the blessed woman is and so are you blessable is the lord able to pour out his blessing upon you because of the way that you're living your life so we get to verse 1 psalm chapter 1 I read in the King James, so don't get thrown off by that. It says, blessed is the man or woman in our case that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And that first word that we see there is, as we were talking about, blessed. Oh, how happy, right? Um, the idea of this word in the Hebrew is multiple happinesses, happy, 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 oh, how happy, multiple blessednesses. It's not just, you know, blessed, one, singular. It's a plural word. And so what do you consider blessing, ladies? What do you consider uh, things that bring you happiness? Is it that the person in front of you, you know, if Starbucks bought your drink and, oh, I'm so blessed today, that's amazing. Sure, that's sweet, that's great. That's something that happens to you, though, right? Um, or are you actively saying, no, I, I want to be in the place where the Lord can bless me? We must stop asking the question, am I blessed? If I look at my life right now, would I consider myself blessed or would I consider myself happy? A lot of people love to focus on that. But we have to ask, am I being blessable? Am I, again, in a position in my life where God can pour out his blessing? The psalmist begins with what not to do. So blessed is the woman that doesn't do this. And again, these are two pictures, two contrasts. We've got one direction, right? And then we have the other direction of the person that is blessed. And if God's blessings are over here, logically speaking, ladies, if you are going the opposite direction, there is no way he can bless you. He cannot condone, he cannot bless the things that you do if you are walking away from him and not following his word. So there's a progression of moving yourself outside the scope of God's blessings that are clearly outlined in this one tiny verse. There are actions, places, and people we must avoid if we are to be blessable in the eyes of God. So we're going to look at the actions first. And the reason I like King James especially is because they're, they're happening, right? It's not just um, walk, it's walketh, continually walking. So we have the action walk stand and sit. Walk in that original text means to go, to proceed, a manner of life. That word stand or standing, currently is standing, means to remain or to endure. 
This one is convicting, to take a stand. So not just a matter of standing in one place, but defending something, taking a stand, holding one's ground. And that word sit means to dwell. Blessed is the person that does not dwell, settle. These last two really struck me. It means to marry and to consummate a marriage. Blessed is the woman that does not sit, marry, consummate a marriage, um, concrete a relationship. And now we look at with who, right? Um, Actually, first we'll look at the places that it says not to go. So again, blessed is the woman that walketh not where? The places are counsel, way, and seat that we find in Psalm 1. So again, the actions are walking, standing, and sitting. And now the places that we are not to be, um, the counsel, the way, and the seat. That word counsel, that means purpose. It's very simple. The counsel, the purpose, the advice. Where are you getting your advice, ladies? The second place is way. What is the road? What is the journey? That word also means direction. And this one, again, really opened my eyes to that meaning of way. The course of life. The course of life that you are taking. So again, we've got counsel, which is just advice or purpose. We've got way, the way of uh, standeth in the way of sinners, the road, the distance, the journey, the course of life. And then there's this seat, right? There's this, this place where we kind of just sit in. A set, that word uh, seat means uh, a situation, a location, a habitation, which goes along with our idea of, of your consummating a marriage with someone, your uh, ha- uh, cohabitating with them, an assembly, a group. It's, it's a situated word. And now we understand, we're going to look at the people that we are to avoid in this. Remember, blessed is the woman that does not, right? Right now we're looking at the things that we should not be doing. And so the first person that the Lord puts before us in this psalm is the ungodly. Blessed is the woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And very simply, what does ungodly mean? It just means without God. There are so many people um, around us, nice people, great intentions, you know, good, good causes in their life, but they're without God. The ungodly just simply means without God. Uh, in the Hebrew lexicon, it gave another Uh, feel for this word. It said having an unrighteous cause. And may I encourage you ladies to understand that any cause that is not the cause of Christ and the cause of the word, it's probably an unrighteous cause. There are good things that we can do. There are banners that we can take up. But when it goes against the word, as much as the word, the world wants to tell you, this is a good cause, you need to test it with the word of God. Because the ungodly, they have an unrighteous cause. Especially if you are in um, a college or a university setting, a lot of people are going to encourage you to take up their cause, whatever that cause may be. And if it goes against the word of God, it is an unrighteous cause. So we've got the ungodly, and then we have the sinners, which a sinner is just a criminal. 
someone who is accounted as an, as an offender. And I want to remind you girls, as we study this, to not be high-minded to forget that each one of us are sinners. We've been saved by grace, though. And a lot of times as Christians, as believers, we, we hold on to that, yeah, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. No, you're a sinner saved by grace so that you don't have to stay in that state anymore. This sinner that Hebrews 1 is talking, that uh, Psalm 1 is talking about is a sinner that sits in it, that owns it, that is not ready to make that decision to get out of it. So we've got the counsel of the ungodly, we have the way of sinners, and then we get to the scornful. Scornful means to talk arrogantly and to boast. If any person automatically comes to mind, just pray for them. <laughs> to mock, to deride. Scornful means to be inflated. Many times it was translated to make mouths at. I almost just picture like, you know, someone just jeering and snickering and doing whatever they can to throw you off course. Another translation talked about stammering, speaking barbarously in a foreign tongue. Those who are ignorant of it is like they're babbling. And I, I really hope and pray, ladies, that you are separated from the world in such a way where some of the things that people are even talking about, some of the lingo that they're using, some of the coarse jokes that they're making, you don't even get it. It's like babbling to you. It should be. If we are to be separated and set apart from this world, it should be gibberish to you. And if you've noticed, as we've gone through these actions, these places, and these people, there is a clear progressive uh, nature to it. Because the path of sinful living is always progressive, girls. No one ever finds themselves in bed with a scorner instantly. It's a slow fade. Look at it. Walking, standing, sitting. Ungodly, you know, fine people, but, you know, just, they don't have God. Then they are sinners. They continually, habitually sin. And eventually those people, if they do not repent, they're going to become a scorner. They're going to scorn the cause of Christ. They're going to laugh at it. They're going to make a mockery of it. They're going to jeer it. They're going to fight against it. That is the progression of the person that has walked away from the blessing of God. His word says it, and so we can believe it. And if there are people in your life that you can think of that are maybe just ungodly, but, you know, they're, they're okay, and they continue on that path, unfortunately, many times we turn into that scorner if we're not careful. And so if I take all the definitions, I know I gave you a lot of definitions, but I was able to kind of phrase the words that we have with those definitions to, I think, really give across the message that the psalmist is saying here. So, right, walking in the counsel of the ungodly, if I grab some of those definitions that I gave you, that would mean proceeding in the advice of someone with an unrighteous cause. Ladies, where are you getting your advice? Where are you seeking counsel? When you receive advice, do you stop and consider, is this godly or ungodly? Or do you just consider whether you agree with it or not? A lot of times that's how we take advice. We'll hear something, we don't really like it, but we don't stop to think, is this godly or ungodly? Sometimes we'll hear advice, bad advice, but it appeases our flesh. 
And so even though it's ungodly, we go for it. It's not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of godly versus ungodly. And advice should never be taken based off of how we feel about it, but based on what God's word says about it. So I'll say that sentence again. Walking in the counts of the ungodly is like proceeding in the advice of someone with an unrighteous cause. And there you go. You're starting on that path away from God's blessing. A couple of verses, Proverbs 14, 12, you can just write it down. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Another verse is Matthew 7, 13. The first one was Proverbs 14, 12. This one is Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And this part always breaks my heart, and there are many who go in by it. There are many people on the road with the ungodly, starting to stand, I think of, you know, picketing, standing with the sinners, And eventually they're going to be sitting with those who mock God, with those that jeer at God, with those that deny God with everything in them. And the other thought I had when I was going through that um, is to just be aware, because a lot of times I think when we meet someone who's gone through a situation that we have, it doesn't mean you should take their advice or agree with their position on that matter. Right? We can find someone whose story is similar to mine. They went through something or they had a difficulty um, in, you know, I don't know, some of us are are moms or to-be moms, but even in mom culture, because you had one kind of labor, all of a sudden you're going to take that person's advice because, well, they experienced what I experienced, so why wouldn't I take their advice? That is not the way we are to choose advice, ladies. It must be, is this godly or is this ungodly? When I'm looking at the situation, am I looking at it through the lens of God's word or because someone sounds like they have my same story, I'm going to you know, just follow along in their footsteps. They might have gone through something similar to you, but if they have not come to the right conclusion, all they're doing is leading you astray. Standing in the way of sinners is our next sentence. And so if I grab all the definitions that I gave you, that would be like holding one's ground and defending the habit, right, the way of a criminal. And as we think about that, we think that that's insane, that I would hold one's ground and defend the habit, the continual um, sin of a criminal. Holding one's ground and defending the habit of a criminal. If you begin to walk in the way of the ungodly, you will eventually find yourself holding your ground and defending the habit of a criminal. And the last one, sitting in the seat of the scornful. And again, that, that definition of sitting, thinking of consummating a marriage, to consummate a marriage in the habitation of a boaster, right? That's not just a friend, right? It's literally thinking about getting in bed, cementing, um, coming together to be one with someone that scorns and laughs and mocks at God. Psalm 1, right at the beginning of this precious book of the Bible, the Lord is saying, blessed, blessings, oh how happy, 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 blessednesses, several blessings go to that woman that does not walk in the way of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. And look, my prayer, you're here, is that 
no, nobody here is at step three. None of you are either uh, physically, emotionally, you know, in ideology, actually in bed, actually cemented with the scornful. I, I believe better of this group. I know that you are here and your heart is to see what God's word said. But maybe some of us are toying with step one and step two. So ladies, again, a question and an exhortation to you. Where are you walking? With whom are you standing? And in whose bed are you climbing into? Who are you saying, I'm going to cement myself with this person? This person's identity is going to be just like my identity. If you continue on the path of the ungodly, if you stand in the way of those sinners, you will find yourself sitting in the seat of the scornful. And so, you know, a couple of thoughts that I had as I was mulling over this verse, um, you know, even as Christian women, let's be honest, what are the TikTok videos or the reels or the pictures or the Pinterest pages that we sit and we linger at? They might not be bad things, travel or, you know, that Pinterest board of uh, the, the thing that you're planning. What is it that we long after when we watch it? What are those things that cause us maybe sometimes to be envious of someone else's life? Where does your mind dwell? Where are you? Where is your mind? Even right now, as I'm speaking, where is your mind going? You know, I think about the world that we live in with Facebook and Instagram and that person that, you know, asked to be your friend, an old fling that comes up and starts messaging you again. Where's your mind? Where's your heart? Are you going to entertain that even though it led to hurt? Or are you going to reject that? That's, that's starting to walk in that way of the ungodly. Ladies, the movies and the shows that leave visuals in your mind that may stir in you lusts and desires you know are wrong. Are you sitting there hour after hour, right? Because we don't even have to like wait for commercials anymore. We just binge the eight episodes of that one show and allow all of this to sit in our mind and we're just sitting there. I really hope the mic caught that. That would have been really cool. <laughs> Um, another challenge, girls, are you obsessing over your appearance? Spending money on clothes you, don't ha you can't afford? Consumed with having a perfect body, perfect facial features? Um, and what I find, and listen, I'm, I'm sharing all of these things because I'm convicted by it. I just want you all to know these are all things that I have been convicted by in my own life. Does that obsession of your appearance in turn cause you to be judgmental of other girls? either because they lack those things or you're envious because they have what you lack. Where is your mind? Where is your heart? What are the things that you are watching and taking in all the time? Without you knowing it, you might be walking in that way and sitting, and I really pray that you don't find your, uh, standing, and I pray that you don't find yourself then sitting. So where are you? I thank the Lord that this psalm does not stop with what we should not do, where we should not go, and who we should not be with, because that would be really hard. Don't, 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 the whole entire time. Our God is so faithful. He doesn't just give us the X's, the no's. He gives us a way. So let's glance over at Psalm 1, verse 2. 
But her delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth she meditate day and night. And don't we love that little word, but, right? We just heard this whole, remember Luki's crazy drawing of don't do this, don't go down this way. But the Lord says, but there is this woman, there is this blessed woman, and her delight is in the law of the Lord. The Lord allows every single day of our lives, ladies, the Lord allows us to turn 180 degrees in the other direction. His mercies are new every morning. And so maybe you're listening to this and today you've already failed. You've already said, you know what? I've already gone into some of these things. That's okay. You have that, um, that little word, but, where you can turn and you can go in the other direction. If we only spend our whole lives avoiding, we will live with no purpose. Uh, Pastor Joe Foch says this a lot. He says, we are not to be separated from, but we're to be separated unto, right? Like I think of, of my kids, right? And if I'm always just telling them, stay away, stay away, stay away, you know, they're going to be running around. It's going to be very difficult for them. But I say, no, just come to mom. Come over here. Stay over here. By default, they're being separated and they're coming. I, I have to tell you that, because as I was thinking, I was remembering this hilarious story, um, COVID. COVID made people do some crazy things. I was in a grocery store one day with COVID, and there was a young girl. She was wearing her mask, but you could tell with all of the things that the media was telling us, she was literally running around the store, avoiding people, and I was just like... I. I wanted to stay away, but I also wanted to help her. Look, just, you can get in line. Nobody's going to touch you. There's no need to fear. She spent the whole time in that grocery store, and then she'd come, but then somebody else was over here. And it, she was just so lost and so without purpose and so full of fear in that moment. And listening to this, man, I can, I can grow fearful. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do these things. I don't want to um, walk or, or stand or sit, but there's no fear in love. The Lord has given us a way. We are not to be separated from only. We're not to just sit our whole lives avoiding all the bad. We can be separated unto. This verse is so special to me. Galatians 1.15. Remember the Lord speaking it to me when I was probably 14. And I didn't even know what it meant at the time. But now I, I have a better understanding. Galatians 1.15 says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. And then Paul goes on all of these things. But I love how he puts this. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my father's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. Why does God separate us? Is it because he wants us to have no fun? Is it because everybody else gets to do all the cool things and I have to stay in this little bubble of Christianity that God has for me? No. Separated from the world for the purpose of being separated unto God. It pleases our God to separate us, to call us by his grace for the purpose of having Jesus revealed in us. If he doesn't separate us from this world, there's no way that he can bring through his son to shine through us. Remember, the blessings are here. If we are walking in this way, there is no way um, that we can be truly a, under his blessing, but then representing him correctly. His desire to separate us is to reveal his son in us. 
And what a humbling thought that I can be separated from this world, I can be different for the purpose of showing the world what Jesus looks like. I pray that excites you because it excites me so much. It's humbling. So again, but, right, we can turn, we can make that 180, and it says his delight or her delight is in the law of the Lord. So let's think of that word delight when that word comes to mind. Um, the definition in the original Hebrew is a longing, a pleasure. I liked this one, a purpose, a valuable thing. And I love how the scripture puts it. Her delight is not under the law, right? Because we saw what happened to the Pharisees that were under the law. They were religious and they were stiff and they were, they missed the Messiah because they were so focused about being under the law. That's not what this is talking about. Her delight is in the law. The law of the Lord in this context, it doesn't just mean the first, it's just a lizard, it's fine. It doesn't just mean the first five books of the Bible as that we would call the law or the Pentateuch. It's the whole counsel of God. And many times in scripture, it talks about the law of the Lord. And I want us to take a second to turn to one of these, um, these instances, Psalm 19. And just free advice, anytime you're struggling with reading your Bible, read this portion of Psalm 19, this promise that God says about his word, the law of the Lord. So just a couple pages to your right, Psalm 19. Starting at verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Thinking about the word delight, verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Verse 11, moreover, by them is your servant warned and in keeping them is great reward, or I would say great blessing. Verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And then verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The law of the Lord, his word. Do you believe it, ladies? Do you believe that it is perfect, that it is sure, that it is right, it is pure, it is clean, more to be desired than gold? I know many of you work. We need to work. We need to have money. We need to have a living, right? Some of us get caught up in that making money. Do you desire God's word more than that gold? We're warned by it. We're kept by it. It cleanses us. It keeps us from presumptuous sins, from great transgressions. The law of the Lord. 
how do you feel about it? How do you feel about God's word? How do you feel about reading God's word, being in it, studying it, listening to teachings on it, being here, going through it? And that last word, meditate, if I go back to Psalm 1, right? In his law, she meditates. Meditate, simple, it just means to muse, to ponder, or imagine. I do want to make a clarification because we have the word meditate a lot in our world today. There's a lot of Eastern mysticism that has come into our Western culture that says meditate. Get quiet and clear your mind and don't let anything distract you and just empty, 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 empty your mind of everything. I mean, this is the opposite. This is not the meditate that God is calling us to. He's calling us to fill our minds with the law of the Lord. So Again, that word meditate has been taken in our culture, has been um, used to mean a lot of other things, but this meditate means to ponder, to imagine. I think in a previous teaching I did with you girls, when you think of the word amusement, you really think about what that word means. A muse means to not muse, amusement. It's all the things that we do so that we don't think deeply. Think about it. Think about amusement parks or all the amusement of our phones, all the things in our lives that are constantly causing us to not think deeply. They're distractions. They're filling our heads. You know, I encourage you, are you someone that has to constantly be looking at your phone? You can't just sit in quiet and silence before the Lord. Are you obsessed with that amusement, how to appease yourself or how to have a good time yourself? Or are you willing to muse, to meditate, to sink into God's word? Now, every commentator and person that I heard that talked about this always referred to cows chewing the cud. I don't know if any of you have heard that analogy when it comes to this scripture. We said it was disgusting, okay? I grabbed a couple of um, notes from usdairy.com so that we would be true women that understood what it meant to chew the cud because this is what psalm 2 is telling us to do right so now again we went over all the things we shouldn't be doing what should we do meditating on the word how do we meditate well how does a cow break down its food i will read i know it sounds gross but just listen so it all goes back to the fact that dairy cows are ruminants, meaning that part of their stomach, the rumen, is like a large fermentation vat. It contains bacteria that digest the cow's feed and convert it to energy and protein. So here is how it works. While fibrous feed like hay is good for cows, they have to break it down quite a bit so that the rumen bacteria can digest it. When the cow first eats her feed, she chews it enough to moisten and swallow it. Then, the bacteria in the first section of her stomach, the rumen, gets to work softening the feed. This part's gross. This softened food is called the cud, and it's sent back up into the cow's mouth, where it is re-chewed before going back down into her stomach to be fully digested. Chewing cud produces saliva, which is important for controlling rumen acidity. Too much acid hinders the growth and the function of the rumen, especially those that digest fiber. I thought this was interesting. Cows need to be comfortable and relaxed to chew their cud, and they usually lie down to do it. They can lie down for long periods, not to sleep, but just to chew their cud. Gross. Comes back. Comes back. But what a picture of us 
meditating on God's word day and night. Think about it. When you read something, when you watch something, when you take something in, especially his word, where does it go? Do you read just to read? Do you read quickly? Do you scan over? Do you say, oh, I've already read this before. These cows, what they do is they take it in. They bring it back. They go over it again. And I promise you, ladies, that if you take this approach to God's word, every time you go back to that scripture, it will contain new nutrients. It will contain new carbohydrates and protein and energy for you to live on. It will never fade. It will never, you will never exhaust God's word. And so although disgusting, it's a great picture when you think of meditating on God's word. How do you approach scripture? You know, I I don't think it's always necessarily inclination for women, but it can be. Do you just approach it academically? You just want to take in as much as you can so you can be very knowledgeable. You want to make sure to have all of your theology and all of the other opinions of theology. You want to be right, almost to the point where you're dead right. Because that's not what God's word is meant for. Again, the Pharisees did that. They were under the law. They were oppressed by it. They were um, restricted by it. They were tithing their mint and their cumin and thinking that they were righteous because of it. Is that you? Or do you take in his word and desire to get every single nutrient you can out of it? That's the picture that the psalmist is painting for us in Psalm 1. So what's your quiet time like, girls? Do you even have a time alone with the Lord? Here's a challenge. Can you remember what you read this morning? You need to chew on God's word. You need to take it in and enjoy it. Bring it back. Say, what what was that verse again? Listen to teachings on it. Dive into it because I promise you, you will never plunge the depths of his word and his faithfulness. What's interesting is that word meditate is also used right in Psalm 2. So just glance your eyes down to Psalm 2. Verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That word imagine is the same exact word in the Hebrew as meditate. And so it's, it's an interesting contrast again. While the heathen rage, the world meditates on vain things. And I think we, we know that for a fact. So much of the world that what they're talking about and what they're consumed with, it's vain. The Lord pours out his blessing while the heathen do all of those things. He pours his blessings on those who meditate on him and his word. Some practical suggestions. I trust most of you have a quiet time, a reading, you know, uh, devotional. But here are some suggestions that have helped me ruminate. Let's be you know, ruminator. So number one is read a portion of scripture in the morning and at night, which we'll find at the end of verse two. It says meditates day and night. Um, Another thing that helps me remember what I've read is picking one verse for the day and writing it down somewhere. Um, If you're a calendar girl or you like to, you know, have some kind of written calendar, have a specific calendar for a verse of the day. And think about it, if you did that from January to December, you would have a verse for every single day of that year that the Lord spoke to you, that you intentionally wrote down. Another uh, thing that I like to do when I'm 
having my quiet time with the Lord is making a portion of scripture your prayer for the day. Just take a portion of scripture and make that your prayer. And the Psalms are the best for that, right? If I want to sit and pray this Psalm, I would say, Lord, help me to be that woman that walks not in the council. Help me to delight in your law, Lord. Help me to be like a tree. I pray that today that I would be a tree, that I wouldn't be like the ungodly, right? Just pray it out. Pray it out to him. Ask him, do this exact thing in me. You can also listen to teachings, right? Uh, I love Calvary Chapel Philly. They have a great app, great resources. You've got Blue Letter Bible that has tons of commentary. Uh, David Guzik was just here. He's got a great commentary on EnduringWord.com. If you haven't, we have God's Way Radio, and it is constant Bible teachings 24-7, and it's just a great resource to be Again, chewing the cud, ruminating, getting God's word in you. And I have found, especially in my days of being home with little humans and only talking with little humans all day long, as wonderful as it was, it was difficult. Having a teaching playing in the background, having, you know, that quiet time where I was just listening to an adult speaking and just getting the word, listen, I wasn't focused the whole time. I wasn't writing notes the whole time. Sometimes when I exercise, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, but it's, it's coming in. And I just want it in. I want it in. I want to be absorbing it. So try those things. Podcasts, everyone listens to podcasts all the time. So you're, or you, or a society used to listening to people talk. Listen to people teach. It's awesome. Um, and, and what's your thought? Where's your thought life at? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Perhaps you're not ruminating on the right things. Because I think our tendency is to ruminate regardless of whether it's on scripture or not. Right? Like you're about to have that conversation with that person and you're ruminating. Okay, if I say this and they're going to say this, but then I'll say this. And then we do that. I do that so much. And it's such a waste of time. <laughs> such a waste of ruminating. Or replaying something that happened that was bad or that was good or that was maybe a little sinful and we're just replaying it over and over and over. We're anxious for tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Am I going to get into that school? What's my semester going to be like? Oh my goodness, my semester is going crazy. So now I'm worried about what my semester is going to finish and how it's going now. And you're missing out on what you should be ruminating on, which is his word. At any point this week, I challenge you, if you find yourself slipping Stop and say, oh, hold on, I'm not ruminating on the right thing right now. This thing that I'm ruminating on, it's giving me nothing. It's giving me no energy, no nutrients, no sustenance. Only God's word can do that. And that last section, like I said before, what time of day should we be doing this? What, what's the right, you know, people are like, what's the right time to, to read your Bible? Day and night. So it's never not day or night. It's always <laughs> either day or night. Just get in his word, ladies. The morning is nice because if you wait for the night, you probably have a lot more to repent for than if you started in the morning. I find, like, man, I really could have used this verse today when I was, you know, yelling at my kids or mad at Zach. Do it in the morning. Get it in in the morning and get it in at night. No matter what you do, meditate on it. A couple of quotes and then we'll be done Matthew Henry says, the intimate acquaintance which a good man keeps up with the word of God. In his law, he meditates day and night. And by this, it appears that his delight is in it. For what we love, we love to think of. What you love, ladies, you love to think of.
So how much of your mind is being consumed with, again, the worries, the cares, the opinions of others, the perceived opinions of others, and how much of your mind is consumed with God's word? I think of Psalm 139, 18, when I awake, I am still with thee. What an incredible um, option we have that we can go to sleep in God's word. We can wake up and he's still there with us. We can be this woman. Oh, how happy. Oh, how blessed. Several blessednesses. I don't even know if that can be pluralized, but it is in this context that we can be so close to our maker, that we can be meditating on his word. And again, the sinner seeks devotion, but even more than that, the savior seeks devotion. He wants this for you. He wants this time with you. He longs for it even more than you do. And that is always so convicting to me, to think that I would leave my God, my master, waiting because I'm ruminating on the wrong things. So where are you girls? What do you take delight in? What is that thing that you are longing for? What is your delight? Um, and actually, it will take like two minutes. And I want you to be honest. I want you to think, when I ask that question, what is your longing? Whatever the first thing is that comes to mind. And it's okay. If it's not God right away, it's okay. But think about that one thing that you're longing for. Take a second and write it down. Whatever it is. For some, it may be that relationship. For some, it might be a restored friendship. For some, it might be um, a baby, right? The desire of being a mom. For some, it might be what your idea of a, of a perfect life is, a perfect home, perfect situation. What is that thing that you're longing for? And pray, ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to be my longing more than this thing. I long for this. We all do. We all have longings in our heart. But may the Lord be first. I'm going to close with a Spurgeon daily reading. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses. It's one of Zach's favorite verses as well. And you can just listen as I close. It says, Psalm 17, 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. The portion of other men fills their body and enriches their children, but the portion of the believer is of another sort. Men of the world have treasures in this world, but men of the world, but men of the world to come look higher and further. Our, our possession is twofold. We have God's presence here and his likeness hereafter. Here we behold the face of the Lord in righteousness, for we are justified in Christ. Oh, the joy of beholding the face of a reconciled God. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ yields us heaven below, and it will be heaven. It will be to us the heaven of heaven above. But seeing it does not end it. We are to be changed into that which we gaze upon. We shall sleep a while and then wake up to find ourselves as mirrors which reflect the beauties of our Lord. 
Faith sees God with a transforming look. The heart perceives the image of Jesus into its own depths. So the character of Jesus is imprinted on the soul. Remember, he wants to reveal himself in us. That is satisfaction. To see God and be like him, what more can I desire? David's assured confidence is here by the Holy Ghost made to be the Lord's promise. I believe it. I expect it, Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, we come to you, God, and we ask, Lord, that we would be, as we are looking into your word as that mirror, Lord, we would be transformed into your Son. I pray for anybody here, Lord, that is struggling, God, that is walking in the way of the ungodly, that is sitting, that is standing. Lord, I pray, God, for each one of these ladies that we would be meditating on your word day and night. May that be our delight, Lord, to be in your presence to follow hard after you, to seek devotion with you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God, that there's always that one little word, but, that we can turn our direction, that we can change, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.